Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. Psychologist, author, speaker, musician, former professor, and the host of Love and Life, Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Welcome to Love and Life. I'm Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. We hear it all the time. If you don't love yourself, you'll never be able to truly love anyone else. And it's absolutely true. But at the same time, it's really hard to sort out. What does it mean, practically speaking, to love yourself? We all know what a lack of self-love looks like. It looks like low standards and low expectations for how we should be treated, putting up with disrespect or abuse, feeling worthless without an outside source to validate us. But what does loving ourselves look like? And furthermore, how can we develop self-love and nurture it such that it becomes our default mode. This is one of the questions I get over and over again from Instagram followers and listeners of the podcast. People want to know because they know down deep that they must love themselves first, but they want to know how. It's an incredibly important question because self-love impacts Every relationship we have, relationships with friends, family, and romantic partners. It affects our ability to establish healthy boundaries. And it also influences who we attract and who we're attracted to. Today, I've invited Jonathan Asley, author of What the Heck is Self-Love Anyway? to share his personal transition from ego-driven functioning to self-love. Jonathan's journey involves an enormous amount of pain, including death, divorce, and financial disaster. Jonathan shares how practicing self-love not only enhances our relationships, but also allows us to process pain and navigate loss without falling into a well of despair. Here's a little more about Jonathan. America's leading midlife dating coach has expanded his focus into a deeper essential philosophy of what it truly means to love. Jonathan believes the process of dating reveals the most common emotional health issue faced by many singles seeking a partner is a distressing lack of self-worth, self-regard, and self-love. He's on a mission of encouraging both men and women to fully love themselves with a new book, What the Heck is Self-Love Anyway? Packed with fun, engaging, spiritual and personal growth practices and his dynamic midlife love mastery mentorship program, that inspires hundreds of people daily around the world. Jonathan, welcome to the program. 
Oh, thank you so much for having me, Dr. Karen. This is really such a profound topic, probably the biggest one, the biggest concern that everyone asks. And we know we have that, you got to love yourself before you can expect to find a genuine, intimate, true love with someone else. And then I have so many people who ask me, but how? I need tangibles. And so when I came across your book, I was so thrilled because not only do you, I mean, you go into so many different domains so that people can understand self-love isn't just about a mantra, which could be helpful, of course, but it's not just this one notion that you get in your head and you convince yourself. It's really how you actively play it out in your life. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because when I began writing the book, uh, or I started to write blogs called Self-Love Means Blank and Self-Love Means Blank. In fact, that was the original title versus what the heck is self-love anyway, because self-love can sound like an airy-fairy term. It can sound like a woo-woo term. Uh, and, and and for some people, it can sound like a selfish term, you know? <laughs> right. And And I wanted to dig in deeper as it what it meant for me and in the because i'm a dating and relationship coach i've kind of observed what i consider to be the number one emotional health issue facing certainly americans if not across you know across the globe and that is a lack of not feeling good enough not feeling worthy not feeling likable not feeling lovable and so the term self-love really can stand for self-worth, self-reliance, self-confidence, self-esteem. And what's so powerful about the word love is, you know, interesting enough, it's one of the hardest things to describe, and yet it's the most powerful force in the universe. At least I believe in that. And so redirecting that energy back to oneself, that was the exploration I wanted to dig into because you know, I think we're born of love. When we're born, we're just like this little tiny creature that just wants love and and wants to give love at the same time. And yet society and everything else kind of changes all that as we grow up. So the idea is to kind of return back to that place within us that just says, you know, and not from an egoic place, but from a place of like, I'm perfect just the way I am. Yeah, it's it is complex because you're right. It can sound selfish and it can sound ego driven. But really, and the way you explain it in the book, and I love also you go into so much depth, but the chapters are nice and short. They're pithy, they're to the point. So I think it's a very accessible book, very readable. And yeah. you get into you you talk about ego specifically and that True self-love is the opposite of ego because with with true self-love, you're also emanating love for everyone else around you and for compassion for everyone around you. So, it, it, But it's dicey, right? Because if someone just takes maybe a surface understanding of it, they might think, and I think that's a fair argument, that some people are so self-absorbed, they're becoming so myopic, they're just staring at their own belly buttons all day long. <laughs> but really, again, if, if, you, if you're really getting into it, to the depth that you're discussing, it's actually the opposite of selfishness. Yeah, I think there's the healthy ego and then the unhealthy ego. And, and sadly, most of us are, and I'm going to include myself, and I, I say this, most everybody operates from an unhealthy place of self. In other words, and not intentionally. 
Here's the key factor I've noticed within people. We unintentionally focus on ourself, you know, our, our own perspective. And I'll use dating as the example, because in the dating realm, each person wants to get their own needs met. Right. I recognize the value of it's important to take care of oneself. In the dating realm, there's two people involved. So when ego says, I need my needs met first, without an awareness of the other person, that's unhealthy ego. And we operate in that capacity all day long. In fact, I'll even take it a step further. What we do from an unhealthy ego place is we attack our own self. I mean, from self-deprecation, from self-attack, from self-crucifixion. That's all unhealthy ego repressing what's really inside of us. What I talk about in the book is loving on oneself. So I appreciate that you uh, you know, appreciate my book because okay. I did try to write it in such a way that they're short chapters. They're really, in, in, it's designed to be a tiny little wake up call. I, for those mm-hmm. listening to this right now, it is not, I'm not, I'm going to own, this book isn't like to the depth of a book like The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer or Return to Love by Marianne Williamson, which I recommend highly for anyone to read. But if you're not ready for that depth, then that's what I created, that initial wake-up call to go shift your perspective and then start seeking more personal development, self-help, and spiritual work out there because it's going to pay a benefit in the long run. Yeah, and I I think it's, like I said, it's accessible because really delving into this stuff, it's it's deep. And so I think for someone who goes, I don't even know how to begin this journey. It's a great first step for sure because it helps people, like I said earlier, understand that there are a lot of ways that we demonstrate to ourselves and to others our self-love. And there's a lot of ways. Like you talk about finances. You know, you even say in the chapter, you're like, I know you probably didn't expect this chapter in the book. But really you talk about money as as an energy really. And when you think about that, it's all aligned with our values. And clarifying our values is very much in step with self-love. You're probably familiar with ACT, Acceptance and Commitment Therapy. Sure. Which, yeah, which helps us just sit with, and you talk about this in the book as well, but sit with emotions and then not be controlled by them, but to sit with the emotion, not to try to stuff it, push it away, and then try to experience it and then respond based on what choice will serve our values. And that's just such an emotionally mature way to go about life, dating anything. Yeah, it's th- thank you. And you know, I want to touch upon the emotion piece because one of the analogies I give in my my coaching practice is I happen to live by the by the ocean. So I live at the beach. And and I imagine standing right at the edge of the water. And imagine the water is an emotion. Now let's say it's an emotion you don't want to feel. You're feeling sadness, you're feeling despair. And as the tide increases, the waves are going to start hitting you know, your feet, your knees, you know, up to your thighs and whatnot. And that's what happens with an emotion. And there's a choice that I believe we can make. Some people keep walking into the water. They start allowing that, you know, that emotion to, to I'm going to say fester and, and multiply. We have the capacity, though, to walk backwards, believe it or not. And I'm all for allowing the emotion to be there, um, that sadness, depression, and, and whatnot. But it's also the, a, 
A practice of self-love is learning how to move backward. In other words, how to move away from the water so that emotion doesn't envelop us because we can drown from emotions. We can literally be suffering so much that we can drown. And we have the power within us to make the change. Now, for a lot of people listening, you're going, well, is it, you know, like, it's not just one thing. You can't read a book and make, you know, you might make a tiny change, but I'm encouraging everyone to begin a daily practice of personal development, self-help, and spiritual work as the antidote to that emotion sweeping you away, you know, like a tsunami. It's really appreciating the fullness of the human experience. And one of the things that we deal with in the psychology world and the therapy world right now is a lot of us don't want to experience the sad, the dark, the pain. And I get it. Who does? I mean, yeah. <laughs> who does? But yeah. we we are pathologizing these emotions such that people feel down for a couple of weeks because they're grieving the, the passing of someone they loved. And they're going to a doctor and saying, hey, can I have a pill to take away this emotion? Well, do you want a pill to take away being human? <laughs> I mean, so it's there's a lot to really delve into and to unpack. And so I really appreciated your, your take on it. Dan invented it because I kept burning my tongue on my black coffee. And then we realized the perfecter could do so much more. It's the only way to brew coffee or tea and then immediately ice it for iced coffee or iced tea without watering down the flavor. It also brings bourbon to a perfect chill, again, without diluting it or bruising the flavor notes. But my favorite application, wine. The Perfector takes your room temperature red to the recommended low 60s in just 20 seconds. And as a bonus, the Perfector aerates your vintage as well. Check out all the Perfector's applications, including bringing white wine to its most flavorful temperature at drinkperfection.com. Love and Life listeners can use promo code PODCAST at checkout for 20% off your Perfector. Let's talk about the brass tacks. And you do this so well in the book, but just for the listener who hasn't read the book yet, what do you, for someone who goes, I know I'm supposed to love myself, but I don't even have the first clue as to what I should do. Like tomorrow morning, what should I do differently than I'm doing today to start a practice of self-love? Well, this is a great question. And, you know, it goes back to how you you started uh, the interview with the idea, you know, there's that philosophy I have to, you have to love yourself before you can love another. And some people say you have to love from a cup that's overflown. And while it sounds great in theory, you know, we're all, we're all kind of a work in progress. So um, one of the chapters in my book, it's the first chapter, it's learning how to, what I say, speak your truth, do it with kindness. And the idea there is our truth is our feelings, you know, our life is navigated, believe it or not, as much as it is by mind, it really is navigated by our feelings. And and as a big Star Wars fan, I remember when Obi-Wan Kenobi said to Luke Skywalker, feel your feelings, goes back to what we were talking about before. So when it comes to speak your truth, do it with kindness, what your truth, what everyone's truth is, your feelings. We all, and so when we're interacting with people, we might disagree with someone. I think it's important to be able to express our feelings in an authentic way and recognize that there's another person listening. So if we practice kindness and not just blurting out 
what we're feeling about something, really practice, like be aware that there's another person involved. It's one of the first steps, or it's, it's a step into practicing both loving yourself and loving others. Because I think that's one of the most important things to recognize, that it's not just loving yourself, it's and loving others. And I'm curious too, because obviously as a therapist, there are some therapeutic orientations that take a deep dive into the past. A Freudian analysis, of course, is going yeah. to uncover you don't feel self-love because your mother didn't love you. Or, And then there are some, the cognitive behavioral approaches are a little bit more, let's stick with the here and now. And let's just look at the current thoughts that are going on in your head. And maybe you need to practice a little bit more grace and kindness in your own self-talk. Yeah. But so with your coaching and the folks that are coming to you, let's let's get specifically into dating because it's Valentine's Day coming up and Yeah. When when they're dealing with with this lack of self-love, do you do more of a deep dive or do you try to keep it current or is it a bit of both? Well, what this is a great question and as a therapist, you know, um how much our childhood upbringing as well as adult traumas can affect how we operate in our daily life as adults. And so one of the chapters in my book, I, I talk about the importance of recognizing childhood wounds and looking into your past, not necessarily to stay in the past, but to have an awareness that our negative patterns and our limiting beliefs as adults are, are as a result of what we learned in our childhood. And, and in many cases, especially in the dating realm, there's those folks that have either anxious behavior or have avoidant behavior. And most likely that was a result of one of your parents. It, it, it could be as simple as you were in the crib, you were crying, and one parent didn't come out, come to soothe you. And in that moment or those moments, after a while, that might created an anxious way of how you approach connecting with someone else. It's called love attachment, uh, which I know you're familiar with. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so having an awareness around where this stems from, I believe when we understand something better, we begin to predict our behavior and we make better choices. So I'm a full believer of doing therapy. I'm a full believer of doing workshops like the Hoffman process that I mm -hmm. did, which was a deep dive into my inner child. And then we have adult traumas that can happen, whether it's divorce, whether it's a breakup and creating some sort of, I'm going to say some sort of closure, because I don't know if we ever have full closure on anything, but certainly come to a better acceptance of what may have happened in our past, which helps us move in a more positive direction moving forward. Yeah. And I... I, I'm with you on closure. I actually did an entire episode about that because, again, that's another kind of dating concern that people sometimes feel that, especially with this rampant ghosting that's going yeah. around, people feel that they're that there are these loose ends, and I'd love to tie them up in a tidy little package. And as you're saying, I don't really believe in closure. It's also an act of self-love to just decide I don't need to have these answers. Yes, I would like them. But as you know as well, too, I think oftentimes we're asking people for answers that they don't even have available to give us. Even if yeah, exactly. And you know, that's I, and I'm in agreement because I just was talking about this the other day um, that related to grief and loss is that, you know, it's more about acceptance because I mm -hmm. truly believe that 
acceptance is um, is an, an absolute energy of self-love. When we can learn to accept things the way they are, because it's in that the ego, going back to the ego, the ego is insidious. It wants to create so many unique scenarios in our head <laughs> that, well, if I had done it this way, it would have been like this. And if I just said this to him, it would have been like this or her. Yes. Um, and that's just ego being so sneaky and snarky. <laughs> and <laughs> I mean, which is, it's amazing how much our ego plays into, and by the way, ego is just really a reflection of fear that's causing, mm, mm-hmm. um, it's that fear of not being good enough. I'm not likable. I'm not lovable. And the ego sadly wants to really, how should I say, stoke the fire of that. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. So much about fear. And you speak to that too in the book. You talk about love versus fear, which really at the root of every emotion we experience is either love or fear. Yes. And so we're, we're always at that crossroads with the choice of fear or the choice of love in front of us. And I think getting back to the dating, so often there's so much fear of being alone. Or like you said earlier, we're talking about fear of not having my needs met and then not realizing that your your effort to get your needs met is actually pushing people away. Yeah. You know, sadly, we, and it's just human nature that we operate, or at least operate in the dating realm in particular from a place of what I can get versus what I can give. And, yeah. and, and this is a challenge because I know as particularly women feel as though they have given so much in their past relationships that now it's my turn to get, yes. but yes. in that energy of getting, you're actually repelling someone. So I'm a big proponent of the idea of a two way street, you know, right. App, you know, it's like, Remember I said earlier, it's loving myself and loving others. You know, it's it's also, it's not just about me, if you will. It's about the idea of a we. And, and this is where it's difficult for many people because they don't know how to express themselves in a way that actually lands on another human being. Communication skills in the relationship realm, and I know as a therapist, you've witnessed this, I'm sure. When two couples get together, they're they're always speaking apples and oranges. And so one of the things I encourage my clients is to read Marshall Rosenberg's book, um, Nonviolent Communication, which just between you and I, I think the title sucks. I think it should have been called Compassionate Communication because it's learning how to express ourselves in a way that another person can hear us. And women complain to me that men don't listen. And I'm like, well, that may be true. <laughs> and when one learns how to communicate in a way that actually can land, we will hear and listen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> For sure. It's it's people do say that all the time. It's all about communication and I've been a big proponent for many years that no it's not. It's about how we communicate. Yes. If you know, right? Communication. Yeah, Cuz people be like, "Well, I had to say what I had to say." I'm thinking I'm I'm totally supportive of you saying what you have to say, but wow, if you had perhaps said it in a different manner, it could have been received in the way that you intended it. But it takes a lot of self-reflection and self-discipline to go, okay, wait, this is really what I want to say, but let me articulate this in a way that communication will actually happen. Because if we don't, then the defenses come up and I don't blame people because when someone comes at me, just guns blazing, I shut down yeah. too. I mean- 
Yeah. And the perfect example is when we start things with you versus I, you know, when at least I've, I've learned that when I say I felt sad when this happened versus you made me, you made me feel sad, you know, when you did this, there's a big energetic difference in the way I first framed it versus the way I did it the second time. So communication skills and everybody says, well, why didn't they teach us this at school? Or why didn't we get to learn this? I'm like, well, guess what? You're a grown up now. Okay. And there are so many amazing books that we can learn from. There's so many amazing workshops. You know, there are good therapists out there that can help us process these and help us learn how to frame things in a way that, as I said earlier, gets seen, heard, and understood. Mm -hmm. And you talk about that in your book early on. You say oftentimes in life and certainly in relationships, we are always looking and expecting that someone or something is going to make us happy. And you even spoke to it just a moment ago saying, you know, you made me feel, I'm a big fan of no one makes me feel anything ever, never. (laughs) I don't care how horrible it is or what they said. I choose my response every time. And that's a theme that comes through your book quite a bit is that we don't choose what happens, but we absolutely must take 100% ownership for our responses internally and externally. Well, I've noticed here in the United States in particular, we're riddled with victim consciousness, you know, and, and I don't mean the legitimate person that was assaulted in some way or victimized in a physical way. I'm talking about a consciousness that it's everybody else's fault mm-hmm. and, or even, you know, blaming their parents for their lot in life. And look, I get that there are good reasons to feel that way. And I don't absolve anyone of bad behavior. But how we choose to operate going forward is on us. And we have that power. We, You know, here's the thing. We have a tremendous amount of power within us to make shifts in an instant if we make that choice. And so I'm a big, as I said before, I'm a big proponent of doing the work. And I was thinking about, an, you know, athletes in particular, especially the Olympics, because it's coming up this year. They practice day in, day out, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten hours a day to prepare for one event, right? And that physical preparation and all the practices they've done. Well, it's the same in our life. Now, now I'm not suggesting we need to do four, five, six, seven, eight, ten hours a day <laughs> because mm-hmm. that's their profession. But investing 15 minutes to one hour into oneself will pay dividends in the long run because it's a practice. We just can't go to one workshop and go, ah, I'm done. Let's connect on social. I'm most active on Instagram at Dr. Karen. That's D-R dot K-A-R-I-N. On Twitter, I'm at Dr. Karen Anderson. Live tweet with me when I watch my favorite shows, Will and Grace, my brand new fave, God Friended Me. And of course, all shows Bachelor Nation. Join me on Facebook where I'm stepping up my Facebook Live game. I'm at Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Well, and that really speaks to another component of this self-love journey and self-love experience and self-love question, like how to do it. And it wraps into the victimhood and the victim mentality as well. In my space, there's a lot of women who feel that they have been in a relationship with a narcissist. Yes. Now, between you and me, 
that's a personality disorder that you're labeling someone with. And I do believe currently there's a bit of diagnostic inflation. I don't think that every woman who's dated a dude who disappointed her, he was a raging narcissist. But that's kind of out there. In yeah. the, It's the rhetoric right now. And what I love about a self-love approach is it's acceptance. We can't change the past. But what can I do? 15 minutes of self-love practice today can help me grow and develop emotionally, care about myself so much that the next time I meet a guy who may or may not be diagnosably narcissistic, but maybe he's a bad dude, a selfish guy, I will love myself so much that my attraction to that guy, maybe a year ago I would have been attracted to him, and now I just see him as smarmy and cocky, and none of that turns me on anymore. It's taking responsibility for the piece of of that relationship was that I was somehow attracted to that. So if I was, what can I do now to prepare myself to not be attracted to that kind of negative, disgusting energy again. You're so spot on because if I understand correctly, there's only about 2% of the population, I could be off, uh, that's true narcissistic behavior. But 99.99999% of the population is stuck in their ego. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) And and by the way, I'm only thinking of Gandhi and maybe Mother Teresa who have evolved past that. There you Uh, go. So... so, um, (laughs) So it's that unhealthy ego that operates from it's all about me. And it is natural to do gaslighting where you turn it around and make it about the other person. Well, that's actually behavior that we've all done. It's called defensiveness. And it's hard (laughs) to accept something, you know, that's true and not say it's false. So all of that rhetoric around narcissistic behavior, here's the way I view it. The more you read about it, the more you're going to attract it into your life. Mm. The more you're learning about it, the more you're going to attract it in your life. Because once you've adopted, as you said, and what I talk about in my book, a self-love practice, you'll be able to spot those people who are stuck versus people who have outgrown it. And I really want to say this one more time. A big chunk of the population is stuck in unhealthy ego, and they're never going to evolve past it. It's just they, they most likely will never get to a point, well, probably at the last few seconds of their life, they'll achieve a different sense of enlightenment, but uh, they're, yeah. they're just yeah. stuck in unhealthy ego. People who have done work on themselves, true self, you know, personal development, self-help and spiritual work are ones who are evolving past that being stuck in unhealthy ego. And even those women who have said, I've dated narcissistic men, on some level, it's narcissistic to choose those men if we really want to kind of point the finger at them. And I don't mean it that way. I'm saying this a little tongue in cheek. Right. It's recognizing how powerful the ego makes it all about me. Mm-hmm. Once that awareness starts to come to place, and I believe it's it's recognizing the enemies to ego, which is judgment, comparisons, resentment, and guilt. Once we begin to understand those enemies to ego is the beginning of what's called awareness. And so, and that, for example, let's pick judgment, for example, either judging ourselves or judging another human being. The minute we do that, we're in unhealthy ego because love says, I'm going to love myself and I'm going to love others. Now, I don't mean that we shouldn't have boundaries when I say loving others, okay? Because that's hugely important. But just having that energetic consciousness around that compassion and empathy 
will begin to be a repeller to those people in the dating realm that are stuck in unhealthy ego. And I like how you put that. It's coming from a place of compassion, which again, it's the self-love, it's compassion for ourselves and others. And I like that you're talking about them being stuck as opposed to vilifying them, right? Because that's what this energy does. You know, it's funny. I had an experience a couple of years back where I dated a woman. And to, in all fairness, I had just ended a significant relationship. And I was so stuck on her that every word out of my mouth was about my ex. Mm. But now the irony was the woman I was dating she was stuck on six exes in her life. Oh my. <laughs> and you know, like her ex-husband was a narcissist. And the next man that she dated was a narcissist. And the next man was a narcissist. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I'm not a narcissist, so I'm going to be the knight in shining armor. And in all fairness, I was a train wreck. Um, not in my actions, other than I just talked about my ex too much. Mm -hmm. I, I don't mean all the time, just too much. So sure enough, I realized we just were not compatible with each other. And we'd only dated for about a month. And the next day on Facebook, I saw her post, another narcissist I dated. <laughs> and I'm like, God, I didn't do anything but be nice to you other than, you know, I was vomiting my, you know, my past relationship. Right. And that is an energy. So again, that was going to probably keep her stuck. And while I don't know what eventually happened to her, if that is in your consciousness, that's why studying narcissism and I see all these memes out there and studying all that. I, I mean, sure, get a little bit of taste of it, but move on, move on yeah. to something more loving. And the most loving thing you can move on to is yourself. Mm hmm. Absolutely. It's funny you said you thought you might be the knight in shining armor because you're not a narcissist. And here's what I was thinking was that she would never fall for you because she's clearly so drawn to narcissists that she would have to move on because you weren't fulfilling her story. Her story is that I'm always with narcs. Well, I wasn't chasing sex and because, and I'll be candid, I wasn't chasing sex in this, but I was literally looking for a life mate and I recognized we were just misaligned. And yeah. I said that as I ended it. I, I felt like I was sincere and from the heart. And yeah, most likely she's doing exactly. She needs to fulfill that script. And even just saying it out loud to her friends reinforces it, you know, or publicly, I should say, reinforces it. On Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really? Like you guys well, have dated a month. It wasn't that big I, of a deal. Let's be honest. A month? Wow. Okay. Well, there it's were more issues, but I don't want to say it publicly. Really? Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, no. I mean, okay. So the scary thing was, okay, I'm going to, oh, I'm going to admit this. She, when I ended the relationship, I got this message saying, I'm going to go kill myself. And I'm like, what the fuck? And oh my gosh. I, I, I call, thankfully I knew some close friends of her because she, she was on the deep end of it. And, and that's part of being stuck in that story of hurt. <sighs> And so I, I had to, for a boundary for me, I had to move away as far as I could. Um, mm -hmm. And I felt real compassion for her because to be in that place of stuckness and I, whether she was serious or not, obviously I don't want that on my consciousness. Um, hence why I reached out to friends, but yeah. that is just indicative of being stuck in a story. Oh my and gosh. and that's yeah. why I'm a huge proponent of doing the work, especially working with people like yourself, because I'm, as I said earlier, I'm just a wake up call of pointing people in a direction. 
And I'm in agreement that I don't believe medicine is going to heal that. You know, it, it takes real deep therapy to move past those those more traumatizing wounds that cause that. Um, I'm more of a proponent that when you've risen past that, then I'll start pointing you in the direction of great resources to help build your life from the inside out. When you've done some work on yourself and you know that, yes, the work is work, but the benefits are extraordinary and life has feelings of love and freedom that you never can experience if you're still still so locked up in being angry and being uh, a victim uh, and feeling that you have every right to be to shake your fist at the sky and you do yeah. you do but in doing so you are not availing yourself as you spoke to earlier of the power that we have in every moment of every day to make a choice how to respond. And it's hard to see. And I know that people are frustrated and they're stuck and they just don't know what to do. It's so great connecting with all of you via the podcast. And I would love to meet you IRL. If your organization is looking for a speaker for your next event, check out my website, go to the speaking page and see the content that I love to talk about. Just like on the podcast, in my speeches, I cover a wide array of topics grounded in psych research, of course. I'd love to meet you and share strategies for thriving in all realms of love and life with you and your organization. I cannot recommend Dr. Karen enough as your speaker at your event. As my keynote speaker, she completely set the tone of compassion, self-love, and authenticity that bled into everything we did for the rest of the event. She was incredibly prepared and present and went above and beyond when it came to sharing the event with her audience. Her knowledge, magnetic energy, and expertise while on stage is one thing. It will be everything you'd hope for and more for your audience. But her giving spirit and willingness to do more than simply show up when it's time to go on is icing on the cake. She walks her talk, and by the end of working with her, I was wishing she lived down the block from me for weekly meetups. For more information and to book me to speak at your next event, contact my producer, Tim May, tim at loveandlifemedia.com. You know, from a personal experience, if, is it okay if I share with your audience? I, I experienced a huge tragedy a year and a half ago. Yeah. Well, let me rewind for a second. I went through a major divorce 15 years ago. Not major divorce. I mean, I went through a divorce, but which, it felt which is major. major. <laughs> yeah. Well, I happened at the same time lose my quarter million dollar a year job and the market crash of 2008 hit yep. and I got wiped out of a seven figure nest egg. So I was feeling every pain you can imagine, divorce, loss of job and loss of money. And I went into the pit of despair. And that's when I began doing the movie, The Secret came out around that time. And I go, wow, this resonates with me. And I just began a deep dive into personal development, self-help, mm -hmm. spiritual work. And I've been for the last 10 years or more, this has been a part of my daily life. And why I'm sharing this is that because in July of 2018, I lost my 19-year-old son to an accident. And anyone who's a parent knows that their greatest fear is something happened to a child. It's their worst nightmare. And, and while 
I'm not going to say it didn't take me to my knees and I didn't experience, you know, anger and denial and depression. I made the choice. I remember being at his eulogy or excuse me, at the funeral and I was giving his eulogy and I stopped and I said to everyone there, I said, I'm going to make a choice. I'm going to grieve with love. I'm going to grieve through love. I'm going to use love as my power to grieve and not pain and suffering. And I don't believe I could have done that if I didn't do the work all those years beforehand. Because I, from the moment my children were born, I thought, God, just don't take them from me because I know I'd be dead the next day. Um, Certainly emotionally dead, if not physically. And that is why I'm a huge proponent. And it starts with self. It's like when we're on the airplane and the flight attendant says, you know, in the case of cabin pressure change, oxygen mass will drop from the ceiling and put it on yourself first because you can't help anyone in life if you don't give that oxygen of love to yourself first. And that's why I'm such a proponent. I want to keep talking about this to as many people as I can to create that shift in perspective. And while I'm not here to say I've I've navigated the grief, you know, like, believe me, I, I cried earlier this morning just because I heard a song that reminded me of he and I would sing together in the car and I broke down for a few minutes. But it didn't take me down the rabbit hole. And so even in your love life, even in that past relationship, to witness people go down the rabbit hole of despair, I look at, I have a good reason to go down that rabbit hole and no one would judge me otherwise if I, you know, literally gave up on life. People would say, I understand. It's not, look at, I'm not going there because that's not what he would want. And so- I say, if there's a past relationship that failed, don't ever let that take you down the rabbit hole because you have way too much to live for, for yourself. And anyone who loves you wants the same for you. So true. And I'm glad you shared that. You, even in the beginning of the book, you talk about, it was really the inspiration of the book. And I wrote down this quote, you said, this book was born and inspired literally weeks after the sudden loss of my 19 year old son, Connor. My heart was breaking. However, through my loss, I found the courage to write this book because ultimately self-love has the power to heal. Sharing this concept of self-love in all its forms has helped me complete the circle, heal, and facilitate the journey for others. I mean, that's such a beautiful statement and a beautiful- And now I'm crying. (laughs) (laughs) I'm getting emotional too. (laughs) But it's powerful. And I was so struck by that. Because, as you said, no one would even bat an eye if you just said, I lost my kid, 19 years old, in the prime of his life, just starting to become a young man. So I'm, I'm, I'm just done. So, And everyone would go, yeah, I get it. But that you took that and instead decided that it would become an inspiration for you to share more love in this life, not to recoil and to become hard and bitter and angry and share less love, but you decided to share more love. What a tribute to your son. Yeah, I'm, I really am crying right now because uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I can feel him right now saying, I don't want you to ever suffer in your life. I'm like, I feel his presence. I feel his energy saying that to me as my mantra every day. And 
And there are times when I have, look at, I've, I've recognized there's going to be good days and bad days. That's the other thing I've also learned, you know, there's going to be good days and there's going to be bad days. And I don't have to let the bad days accumulate over and over again. And so my legacy, if not for myself, but for him is to live each day with as much love for myself and everybody else. And there was a recent, you know, um, athlete who passed away and the whole country mourned for, a, you know, overhearing this. Hmm. And why, why I'm bringing this up is that death is the reminder to choose oneself. Whenever we hear about it, that's the reminder because no one who's ever passed wants you to suffer. They want you to live your life to the fullest. And that's my legacy from Connor is to encourage as many people to live life from that place of loving on themselves so much that it becomes the, the drop in the ocean that keeps spreading and spreading and spreading. That's it's so beautifully stated. And it really, it does weave through the book. And if you can take this tragedy and continue to seek ways to, to bring more love into your life and share more love with others, even as part of your response to this tragedy, that I think is so inspiring for others to go, like you said, yes, you went through, maybe you had a relationship with an arc. Okay. That doesn't have to take you down. This is, this is not the period at the end of your life. What's next is completely up to you. You do have that power. Yeah. I believe that so wholeheartedly that we have the power within us. We have amazing depth of power. And interestingly enough, it sometimes takes a humbling moment, a humbling experience to make that shift. And while to shift from being stuck in that egoic place I talked about Mm -hmm. and at least begin that practice of moving out of unhealthy ego into a healthier ego and, and, as I said a moment ago, believe me, I, I, I'm riddled with judgments and comparisons and ego, but it's not to the same degree of where I was maybe a decade ago. And I can only imagine how much more um, at peace I'm going to be even a decade from now. Um, and that doesn't mean that bad things aren't going to happen, but how I, at least for myself, and that's my invitation for others, how we can respond is actually up to us. And we have that power within us. I love it. Jonathan, I just want to thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, sharing your heart. It, this book is full of very practical steps and techniques, but it's also, there's a undertone of heart, which my listeners just heard as you shared your story of losing your son. There's just so much love and there were so many points that I was highlighting and I know these will be useful for me as I try to support and encourage and I know that that's what you're about as well. So I want to thank you for sharing with my listeners today. Oh, my honor. And quite frankly, can I say, it? I do a number of podcasts. I try to get my message out. It's such a thrill for me when I get to talk to a doctor and they go, <laughs> so and, and you said you did a good job. I am so grateful just to hear that because it validates on some level when we when we have a someone who's gone through the work you have, it really 
makes me feel good. And I just want to say thank you for that. Oh my gosh. No, it's definitely going to be one of my go-tos because I, like you, you had, you mentioned several other books that really inspired you in your book. And then you had a list of books at the end for additional reading. And so I'm always trying to collect the books that I think will best help the folks who are coming to me for support and advice. And so this was definitely going to be on my, my, uh, picks of, uh, not that I have Oprah's book club, but you, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, because I think it's going to be a really great resource for people. And I learned a lot as well. So I want to thank you. And where can listeners find you, follow you? Are you active on all the channels du jour? Yeah, so uh, thank you. Um, so my website is jonathanasley.com. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm on <laughs> LinkedIn. Um, I'm actually, my YouTube channel is, I'm investing about uh, three days a week shooting YouTube videos. And I'm on thinking about my own podcast. And hopefully, I'm, and by the way, anyone who would like a couple chapters of my book, What the Heck is Self-Love Anyway? I don't know if you'll have a, a link you know, in the show notes, but you can just go to jonathanasley.com uh, forward slash love. And get a couple chapters, get a taste, and it'll take you right to Amazon afterwards. And uh, and it's only a few bucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for that. And I, I hope listeners will take advantage of that. And I'll definitely be sharing yeah links and ways to connect with you on my channels as well. So Jonathan, thanks again for joining me today. Uh, Dr. Karen, thank you so much. The love and life hack for this week is, as Jonathan put it in his book, self-love is the centering factor of your life. The arc of your life depends on it. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Special thank you as always to my subscribers and those who have signed up for my email list. I love having you part of the love and life family and I so appreciate you. Take charge of your thoughts, take charge of your life, and until next time, make it a great week. Love and Life is produced by Tim May and hosts and executive producer, Dr. Karen Anderson-Abram.